Good morning, Carpenter's Way. Hope you guys are doing well. I hope when you came in this morning, it was just kind of exciting just seeing all the tables, all the booths, uh, where your money goes. You know, we're not just paying people to do stuff here. That It's going out into the community. It's going across the world. And I hope as you came in, that was kind of excited you a little bit just to kind of see uh, the impact that you're having, the impact that you have as you give and everything. So again, if you're in the room, you're more than welcome to stand and worship with us. You don't have to, but you are more than welcome to. If you're tuning in at home, please don't be a spectator. Uh, Jump in with us this morning. We are weak. You are strong. Who can compare? Who can sit on your throne? You give us life.
right there and the fact that you're on your throne right now forever being worshiped and all the saints coming together and that picture in our head of what heaven's going to be like and God we just thank you so much that right here on earth in the middle of the craziness that is our lives Lord we thank you that you meet us where we're at we thank you Lord that you take us on this journey with you we thank you that you look at us and say those are my kids and I really really like them I'm really proud of them and so God I thank you so much for your mercy and your grace Thank you, Lord, that you've called us your own. And uh, God, we just ask that you would open our hearts this morning to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning. How are y'all today? Nice to see the crowd out here. And I also want to welcome those that are watching uh, via our website or however they're watching it this morning. I, I was told beforehand to hold the mic close to my mouth, and I don't do that. So I'm correcting that now. Uh, so anyway, welcome this morning. We, we're glad to have y'all here this morning. This is a special Sunday for us. Uh, we, all month we've been celebrating missions. We actually celebrate missions all year, but we've focused on it or featured on it this month. And today, as you saw when you came into the, to the worship service today, there's a, there's a lot of tables set up outside. Those are our missionaries. Uh, the vast majority are local. There's one from Edinburgh, Texas here today. So after church, we want you to go out. We want you to visit with them, talk to them, learn how you may be able to volunteer for it with them, support them. Uh, it's, it's a great, uh, this morning as we were standing out there and everybody was talking, they got here. We probably got them here a little early. But it was a great opportunity for them to visit and to uh, greet each other and learn about each other's ministries. And so afterwards is our turn to meet them and learn about their ministries. Uh, so please take the time to just go through and talk with them and find out what you can help, how you can help them. Uh, also, I will say that um, after the service, uh, we're going to do a virtual uh, tour of that out there. We'll have two people that will be going around with a mic and a camera interviewing the, the uh, missionaries and ministries that are out there. So you people that are online get a chance to visit with them and kind of see what, what, what it's all about. So again, we just thank you for being here today. It's so important. Missions for us is so important. And we definitely appreciate y'all's support and the way you've supported missions over the, year, over the years. So we just want you to be involved more. Obviously, Jared and I would like to see everybody get a passport, find a place to serve locally, and we will get you involved in missions. So I'm going to turn it over to Jared now. Thank you, Senor Ober, say saying the Amazon. Thank you all so much for being the most amazing church I've been a part of. Um, so Mission Sunday has been special to us. We get our local ministries. Last year we had some foreign missionaries, but uh, we have a lot of our, uh, all of our local missionary, uh, missionaries here. So, so as Robert said, please interact with them, see where you can get plugged in. I wanna say uh, a special thanks to the mission investment team. And before I go any further, could, could I ask them to stand up if you're inside this room? There should be five of you. Right, right. So here's what I'm going to do. This is Chastity Overby. She is our chair of the mission investment team, and she has been the best chair ever. Uh, thank you. 
Uh, Yvette Alverson is also pretty much co-chair. She's, she's back there in the yellow. Get familiar with these faces because, again, the passport stuff and everything, these are the people to talk to, again, plugged in. Next, Rex Gray, back in the black shirt. And then Dana Hughes, I'm not going to say Dana Carter, sorry, Sam. Uh, Dana Hughes, right back there. And Brian, Dr. Brian Haffernick. I'm not going to make any jokes, Brian, don't worry. So, uh, so I wanted to say, you know, I was on the mission investment team for three years. And it was really neat to learn how the church had, was set up with two deacon teams and the mission investments uh, team saw, oversaw the budget for missions and they did the application process and I thought that was really, uh, really wise. And I, from the get-go of visiting this church from, a, from other de <laughs> denominal backgrounds, uh, which, which many can tell you a lot more about that uh, another day, but I, w I remember leaving and, and the banner's still up, you're, you're entering your mission field. And that was always the focus. It's not the walls. It's not the steeple. It's uh, I love our imperfect walls, Mark. I love that sheetrock job. I mean, I, that's 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 why we're able to dedicate so many resources to foreign and local missions. And you guys are a part of that. Uh, there's so many people in this room that are a part of another ministry and volunteer. And and you just you just an awesome church. And this mission investment team, they are uh, they are leaders. And plant, you know, get get familiar with their faces. Go to them with any questions on the trips, uh, Guatemala. Um, Amazon trips, Pastor Robert. I'm just assisting them, so don't bother me. No, I'm just kidding. You can find the tall guy if you want to, and uh, and so forth. So thank you all so much. I want to say a quick prayer, if that's okay. We'll pray some more. Uh, this time I'm going to actually end it. Oh, that's a joke from last week. So uh, here we go. <laughs> hey. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy. Uh, you have blessed us in so many ways. You, uh, you sent a storm upon us last week, and we got, a, again, a small taste of what a lot of the world uh, uh, lives through. There was a lot of people in this own community that lost power and, uh, and a lot of hardship, and, uh, but we're grateful for the many people, this, this body and this church that were praying, the many ministries that, uh, that took action and, and helped where they could. And we just pray for them um, as we go forward, as we, as we go into 2021 from such a crazy 2020 year. Um, thank, you for, thank you for the hardship. Thank you for uh, the, the suffering when, when, when it is confronted uh, before us. And, and we, we pray we'll learn from it. We pray that we'll become stronger Christians because of it. We pray for the many people uh, um, uh, overseas, 5,000 miles away. We pray that the gospel will reach them at all, at, at all measures and all costs. We, we hope we are able to participate through prayer and our resources to get that to them. And the same for the people that are 500 feet away from us across the street that have an imperfect understanding of the gospel. They're in, in, in as much need as well. And we just love you and we thank you and uh, we praise you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. You're going to do the video. Oh, and Christian Men's Job Corps is our final video for the month, so y'all stay tuned. Thank you. You do have a lot of men that, that uh, have kind of reached the end of the ropes. And I lost everything I had pretty much and didn't have any hope. We all fall on bad times. and I had gone to prison. I, I was just lost at, at the time. I really was. I, I deal with that daily with men that tell me I don't know what else to do. I just really wanted to do something different. We have things in our lives that we want to accomplish. One of the major objectives is to give somebody a second chance. And it couldn't have come at a better time. 
Christian Job Corps is an extremely unique ministry that we can use to develop men, make men better husbands, better fathers, better citizens. They can start a new life and start in a new way. And if you, if you improve the man, you improve society. And it was a safe place where no one's judging you. A place that will teach you job skills, or how to fill out an application, what's their resume about. And then they have the Jobs for Life classes, and we do financial literacy. We teach them some basics about computer programming. You know, a lot of people don't have computer skills. A lot of people don't know how to fill out a resume. Uh, they learn character building, how to get along better on a job, how to hold and keep a job. But the most important thing is that we provide a spiritual side that is going to help him develop a relationship with God. Every day that we're, we have classes here, we have a Bible study. After about two or three weeks, these same men that might not even open a Bible are opening their Bibles. There's a recognition that maybe there's something to this. Maybe there is a better way. I know what he did for me, <laughs> and I definitely didn't think that was ever possible. <laughs> I thought I was a lost cause. <laughs> it was something they didn't expect uh, that turned out to, to really change their lives. And by the end of eight to ten weeks, they have brothers who care about them. You had someone who actually cared, and they're not being paid. They're doing this freely out of their own time, their own will, their own passion for helping others. Christian Men's Job Corps here is, is supported strictly through local donations and a, and a few foundational grants here in town. A lot of people that we never see are praying for the ministry and have been for years before it even started. God is, is providing everything that we uh, have prayed for. We've had uh, trainees that have gone, finished their GED, gone on to college, and some to graduate school. We've seen people get good jobs. We've seen people turn their life around insofar as their family, friends, and, uh, and their attitudes. My overall demeanor the conversations I have, they're just different. We've seen guys come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior uh, during the ministry time. It really, really, really did good things for me and my family. Then they realize that God can work in their lives and they start becoming the spiritual leaders of their families. And it changes the family. Humongous change. Everyone says I've made a huge change. My family's starting to talk to me again. They're joyous, they're happy. They found reasons to be happy. You've helped me change my life and, and improve my situations that I've thought that I would never be able to accomplish. And they want to come back and they say, anything I can do and share with these guys, just let me know. We're paying it forward. We're helping people today that they might be able to help people tomorrow. I promise the CMJC will change your life. We see evidence of God daily in what we do, and that keeps us inspired. Every city needs a Christian Men's Job Corps. Maybe you're nervous, maybe there's fear. Take that step. And that's what we tell the guys here. At least at least make one class. One class, if you're interested in it, just one, one class. It's like nothing you've ever experienced. It's beyond, beyond words. Okay, so this is our third year, and we, we always bring a guest speaker in. I don't, we're going to bring this guy up on the stage. I don't really consider him a, a guest speaker because he grew up in this church. This is Josh Ferguson, 
and uh, he's with Crew Ministries. He lives up in the Chicago area with his wife and his child, and uh, we love him. And I was telling Josh, I was I was trying to remember back in time, which is getting harder every year. But uh, he went on our first mission trip to India back in 2009. So he, I consider Josh a product of mission work. I think that he, it changed him a lot when he went on that mission trip. And we've had him here to speak before. So today he's going to speak for us, and I hope you all enjoy it. Thank you a lot. All right. Thank you. All right, good morning. Well, that's nice to hear. Um, so when they first asked me to preach um, for this Sunday, um, they said, you know, you can do whatever you want, just make it about missions. Um, and I thought, okay, so just like the New Testament. Um, <laughs> so they didn't really help me narrow it down. Um, but I thought about it for a little bit, and I thought, well, what I do um, as a missionary um, is different than a lot of other missionaries. I'm in a more of a support role. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I moved out of field work a couple of years ago and became a coach. Um, and so for crew, um, as all of our missionaries come onto staff and have to raise their support, they are assigned a coach. And so I am the coach um, for crew military and I coach all of our new staff. And so my job is all about helping people ask for support, um, walking them through that process. Um, and so I talk about money quite a bit. And so I thought that that's what I could talk about. Um, most people don't like talking about money, so I figured I'd go ahead and bite that bullet and talk for it. Um, so yeah, um, and I found that um, most people don't like talking about money because they have a, a misunderstanding about money and what the Bible says about money. Um, they have a misunderstanding of how it plays a role in the Christian life. Um, and as I've gone through the process of having to raise support, um, I found that it's a blessing, um, not just for me, but also for the people that I ask. And um, there's actually uh, a missionary that I read one time, and he said if he had the option to have his ministry fully funded um, by a single church or an organization, or he could go out and have to meet with people and build up a team of partners, he would choose to build up his team of partners one by one every single time. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that um, that he lays out in his book. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we as believers are a family and we're better together. Um, and the process of having to go through and build that team up, um, you have more people praying for you. You have more people that you've talked with. Um, even the people that don't join your team now have a broader idea of what missions is. And so just the process of raising support is this really... Um, beautiful thing. Um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about giving today. Um, and uh, the Bible has a lot to say about money, like I said, has a lot to say about how um, we should be handling it as believers. Um, I had the really cool opportunity last week, uh, or no, two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago to go to a Christian finance conference um, through Zoom, and uh, it was really encouraging to hear these great men of God talk about um, how they ha handle um, finances. And one of the things that stuck out to me, um, and we're going to cover it a little bit today, but I want to um, sort of plant the idea now, is that wise money management is not the same as Christian money management. Um, there's overlap there, um, but we are different from the way the world sees it. 
um, and giving falls into that. Um, so anyway, let's look at uh, the passage. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 today. Um, so, uh, now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending uh, the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said that you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you uh, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not an exactation. The point is, is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing uh, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of his service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this, uh, service. They will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. So Paul begins this section of the letter um, letting the church know that he's been bragging about them to other churches um, in Macedonia. Um, he says it's superfluous um, for me, uh, unnecessary to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast to the people of Macedonia. Um, which is really awesome, because if you don't remember, um, so this is 2 Corinthians, which means there's a 1 Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians is probably the roughest letter in the New Testament. Um, Paul has quite a bit to say to the church in Corinth. Um, they uh, have infighting, there's boldness in sin, there's chaos in their gatherings. He actually devotes a whole uh, chapter, basically just giving them an order of service. I mean, imagine how bad your church has to be for Paul to say, all right, so this is sort of how you're supposed to do church. Um, and so Paul was so harsh that at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, he actually says, I was worried about how you would receive that first letter, but I'm happy to hear that things are going well now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, this church has turned itself around and is now the example that he's using as he's at other churches. Um, he's pointing to them to get them um, to get excited about giving. Paul says he doesn't need to remind them of what's going on. He knows that they are ready and eager to give. Um, but as a precaution, Paul has sent people ahead so that whenever he does arrive um, with the Macedonians, that the gift is already ready, it's already prepared. He wants to take any um, possibility of guilt or shame or unreadiness um, out of what's happening there. He wants everything to be in line. And so 
Um, after sort of telling them, here's why I wrote the letter, here's why I'm going to be coming, he then begins to talk to them about what giving is. Um, so he says, the point of this is that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he who distributes freely has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So this is probably a fairly familiar passage to a lot of us. Um, I'm sure you've heard sermons about the cheerful giver um, and the principles of sowing and reaping. Um, the idea of sowing and reaping goes all the way back to the New Testament. It's a very foundational principle um, in theology. Um, we, weep, we reap what we sow. Um, but oftentimes, the idea of sowing and reaping is talked about in a negative context of, you know, you're, you know, you're, so, you're reaping what you sowed. Um, this is because of sin in your life. These are the consequences of your actions. Um, but there's a flip side to that that's positive. Um, when you sow righteousness, you reap righteousness. When you sow good works, um, God blesses you. Um, and that's what Paul is talking about here. <clears throat> those who sow sparingly reap sparingly, and those who sow bountifully reap bountifully. So the more generous you are, the more blessing you will receive. Um, now, don't mishear me. That's where prosperity gospels can um, sort of get off the rails there. Um, sowing and reaping is true. And while it's clear that sowing um, and reaping is, is there and is present, um, we need to be careful about um, how we talk about it. The most important part is that sowing and reaping is proportional, but it's not formulaic. God doesn't owe you anything when you're obedient to him. Um, that's where you get into prosperity gospel. If you think that God owes you something, you've now gone too far. Um, anybody that's a farmer will tell you that uh, <clears throat> all the hard work in the world doesn't protect you from a drought. Um, sometimes all your hard work is just gone. Um, so yeah, it's also important to define that what you reap and sow, uh, <clears throat> what you reap when you sow financially um, is, isn't going to be more financial reward. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later about what it is that you reap. Um, <clears throat> but also the biggest mistake that I think people make in this passage is that they stop too soon. Because the next words are, each one must give what he has decided in his own heart. Um, you know, it says that, uh, so Paul is telling them to be generous, and he's telling them that um, the more you sow, the more you're going to reap. And then right after it, he says, but you need to know when to say no. He says, decide beforehand, decide in your own heart, be confident in what you're going to give. Um, and so when I, when I first started um, looking through this passage, um, to me, that's Paul talking about budgeting. Um, and so since my, co my job is a coach, um, I'm helping people navigate through uh, building their support up, but I'm also helping them, you know, realize here's what a missionary salary looks like. Um, here's where this money that you're going to be raising is going. And uh, so sometimes I help people build out a budget, or I sit down with them to make sure that the budget that they have set out is realistic for what they're going to be doing. Um, and budgeting honors God. Um, it really does. I think that sometimes we don't think of it that way, um, but all money... All money is God's money, and it should be handled in a way that honors him. So if you don't have a budget, I would encourage you highly to get one. Um, there's lots of tools out there. Um, there's lots of 
um, wonderful um, godly men and women that can help you put that together. Um, budgets help you give consistently, and they also help you know what your capacity is um, to know when you can give more. Um, there's no way that you could ever confidently tell somebody who asks you um, for money yes or no if you yourself don't know where your money is going every month. Um, we want to be able to say yes whenever we can, um, and Paul has reminded us that sowing generously will allow us to reap generously. And the Bible has a lot to say about um, handling money. Um, a really great passage on this in terms of how you should handle it and budgeting is, I think, 1 Timothy 5.8. Um, a really interesting passage um, where um, Paul, in writing to Timothy, tells him that he needs to provide for his family first. Um, because if you do not provide for your family, then you are worse than an unbeliever. Um, and he even calls them cursed. So while giving is important, it must be set within the proper context of wisdom. Um, if your money is tight, you won't be able to give um, the same as somebody who is more well-off financially. Um, that isn't meant to say that the person in the tight spot is any lesser, um, but they must be honest about their situation. Um, remember when um, Jesus is at the temple and everybody is bringing in their offerings, and you have these people that are making this big show about carrying in just tons of money, and then there's this poor little widow who comes in and she drops in um, the last of her money. And Jesus makes a point to stop everything and stop the disciples and say, she has given more than anybody else today. Um, so it is about faithfulness and obedience um, when it comes to uh, giving. So let's talk about the cheerful giver. <clears throat> um, what do you think brings the cheerful giver joy? What? Giving, giving yeah. Um, the actual act of giving is what brings the cheerful giver joy. Um, I think, you know, because it's set within this context of sowing and reaping, it could be easy to say that um, the cheerful giver gets the joy from the, the reaping um, later on. Um, but it is. It's the giving itself that brings him joy. Um, the reaping is nice, um, but there are plenty of times and plenty of examples where you will not see the fruit of what you've sown. Um, Let's say you decide to give to a missionary that's in a closed, hostile country. Um, there's a chance that them communicating clearly about their ministry is dangerous to them. Um, there are some countries that monitor internet and will scan for keywords, um, and so it is um, in the interest of the ministry that they will limit their communication um, to the people that support them. Or perhaps God is leading you to um, invest in a missions uh, or a ministry that is just starting up. And it might be years before they get things up and running and they're seeing the fruits of their labor. Um, and so in those occasions, um, you give out of obedience and you decide beforehand. Um, and that's why you give. Um, I see it a lot like witnessing um, when it comes to sharing your faith. Um, you know, Paul says that one sows another, um, you know, rains and then another will reap a harvest um, and that's what it's like whenever you give to a ministry sometimes you give money out of obedience and you don't know what's going to come from it um, and you may not see it in this lifetime and uh, so there's um, yeah um, we don't want to rob people um, and you don't want to rob yourself of the opportunity to be a part of something greater than yourself um, when it comes to giving um, I think of a lady that supports me. 
Um, and to this day, I actually haven't met her face to face. Um, she was a referral from somebody and then I talked to them on the phone and then I, they had me mail them information and um, it, was, it was kind of an odd interaction. And um, it was over the course of a few months that we talked and went back and forth and then they ended up saying yes to coming onto my team. And uh, it was a very unique situation because some of the phone calls were difficult and um, the husband was actually dealing with cancer. And uh, so, yeah, at the end of the day, though, they ended up coming on my team and they were um, supporting me for several years. Uh, and then a couple Christmases ago, um, I got a letter from them. Um, and they are one of those um, couples that writes like the year in review um, and they send it out to everybody. Um, and it was kind of neat and I, was, and I was reading over it and I got to um, the third paragraph and she talks about that her husband had passed away. And I felt horrible because I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and then, you know, so we read through it um, and then on the back there was a, there was a handwritten note um, where she said that um, supporting my ministry was one of the things that her husband was most proud of um, and that she was going to continue um, to support me um, in his memory. And one of the things that we say as coaches is that um, you have to ask because if you don't ask people, you're robbing them of the opportunity of being a part of something. And so um, at the same time, on the flip side of that, um, if you're not willing to give, you might be robbing yourself of the opportunity to be a part of something amazing as well. Um, people need to give. Um, people need to be asked. Um, Paul reminds the Corinthians that God is able to give his people all the things that they need, that they may abound in every good work. And I think here what he's talking about is that the giving itself is that good work. Um, earlier in chapter 8, he says, As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in love, seek, or see that you excel in this act of grace also. So Paul has already told the Corinthians that they excel in all of these areas. And then he begins to talk about money. And uh, so um, he sees this as an area that they need to grow in, in their faith. Um, so don't be discouraged if you can only give a small amount cheerfully. As long as you're giving it cheerfully, you're being obedient to God. Um, like all areas of faith, it's something that you grow in over time. As long as you are obedient, um, God will continue um, to grow your faith. Um, he'll continue to um, help you to see the bigger picture of things, um, which is what giving does. It helps us to lean on the Lord more. It helps us to get our eyes off the present and on the eternal. Um, Paul quotes the Psalms um, here where he talks about the rich man. It says, He has distributed freely, and he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. Um, that's from the Psalms, and it's a really interesting psalm about this rich man and how he handles his money and what he does with it. Um, and essentially what he does with it is he gives it all away. Um, he has converted his money into righteousness. Once again, I want to put the caveat that you cannot buy righteousness. Um, that was the mistake of the Roman Catholic Church back in um, the time of the Reformation, um, where they were basically selling righteousness. Um, if you want to look into that, um, I'm not going to really talk much more about it. But either way, um, he took his money and invested it in God's kingdom. And uh, yeah, he knew the money was God's money, and he knew what God cared about, and so that's what he chose to spend it on. Um, he chose to spend it on things um, of him, 
And while some people, I think, are called um, to give everything away, we have the example of the, the rich young man that comes to Jesus, and Jesus tells, tells him to sell everything you have, give everything to the poor, and then come and follow me. Um, and we don't know what happens to that young man. Um, it's very likely that he never came back to Jesus. Um, I don't know that God calls everyone to that level of obedience, but I think we should be asking ourselves why we give the amount that we do. Um, is our giving sacrificial? Is our giving costing us anything? Or are we giving simply out of the abundance of what we have? Listen to how Paul describes the Macedonians the chapter before um, in 8, 2 through 5. He said, In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded for us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So the Macedonians, out of their joy, gave even though they were extremely poor, and even though they were under severe trial, they were a persecuted church, a church that many people might say needed to focus on themselves, pleaded to give. It said that they were begging Paul to give. Paul says that they gave beyond what they probably should have, um, but I think the fact that it says that they pleaded to give implies that Paul at some point told them maybe this isn't a good idea but they were determined to be a part of what God was doing these were men and women who knew what true wealth was they knew where their true treasure was which was in heaven it says they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to them it is only being fully devoted to God that you can be in this mindset only in being surrendered to God do you handle your money differently than the world. I said earlier that handling your, handling your money wisely is not the same as handling your money the way that God wants you to handle it. Christ did not come to make us wise, but to make us fools in the eyes of the world, to give us his wisdom. And I've seen this where there are you know, Christian finance people um, who really just take the same advice that the world gives and they stick a couple of um, Bible verses on it, and they call it Christian financial advice. But at the end of the day, um, God did not die on a cross so that you could get rid of your debt and buy a nice car and have a really nice uh, retirement. He died so that you could have eternal life. He died so that you could be separate from this world. You were baptized into his death and resurrection so that you could then join in God's mission to rescue those in need of the gospel. As I was preparing for this, um, thinking about the Macedonians who gave beyond what they were able, who realized, I don't need this. There are others that need this more than me. Um, it made me think of the movie Schindler's List, um, which I'm sure most of y'all in here are familiar with it. Um, particularly at the very end, there's a really hard scene where he's surrounded by all these um, Jewish people that he's been able to um, free from concentration camps. Um, and as he's standing there and as he's looking at everything, um, 
he looks down and he sees a ring on his finger. And he says, I could have sold the ring. He said, that's another person, maybe two. He pulls a pin off his jacket and he says, that's pure gold. That would have at least been two people. And then he says, why didn't I sell the car? That car is 10. That's 10 more people that I could have saved and didn't. And then he looks at his friend and he says, I've wasted so much money. He said, you have no idea the money that I've wasted. And it just makes me think, um, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't have nice things or I don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip. Um, But the question is, how are we going to look back at how we spent our money? Are we asking ourselves the hard questions? And like I said, there's nothing wrong with, with having some nice things, um, particularly even in how you use them. I know somebody that has a really um, big, nice house, um, awesome yard. He's got this huge furnished basement with a big couch and a big old TV and ping pong table and you know all sorts of things and so some people could look at that house and say well you know why did he spend all that money on that um, big old house um, well he opens that house at least well pre-covid um, he opened that house twice a month to host sailors in it um, and twice a month we would have anywhere from 10 um, all the way up to sometimes 35 sailors from the base um, would come over um, he would organize um, volunteers to bring food. And so they would come over, they would eat, they would relax, they would nap on the couch, they would watch football, they would throw the football in the backyard, um, they would play board games, um, you know, just talk about life, um, just to get off base, you know, to just have a home. Um, all of these young men and women are, you know, miles from home, they haven't seen their families in a long time, and this gives them a little taste of just, just being home. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. Um, we've seen young men and women um, come to know the Lord um, because of it, and I know that that house plays a part in it, as weird as that sounds. Um, giving them a comfortable place to relax and to know that they're loved um, is a way that I've seen um, God use things of that nature. So what do we reap? Um, Paul answers this in the very last section. Um, he said, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ, and the generosity of your contribution to them and for all the others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. So we reap a harvest of righteousness. So what does a harvest of righteousness look like? Um, I think it looks like maturing as a believer. It looks like trusting in the world, in the Lord more, in the world less. Getting your eyes off the present and towards the eternal. 
Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. He tells us that treasure here um, can rust and be stolen, but treasure in heaven will be there forever. God increases and enriches us in every way that matters. God allows us to invest money in his kingdom work to bring righteousness and thanksgiving to God. In choosing to invest in kingdom work, you increase worship to God. Paul says, through us it will produce thanksgiving to God. So we as missionaries act as middlemen, um, conduits. Um, God calls workers to the field, and he calls other people to invest and to fund them. Um, We ask, you give, and God works. Paul outlines the whole relationship. He said it's because of the submission and confession of the gospel that they give. It's because of their faith that they give. To not be giving is to not be in submission to God. And like I said earlier, I'm not saying that you need to give a certain amount um, or a certain percentage, um, but everyone can give something. Also, if anybody talks about that you need to tithe, um, just don't listen to them um, for lots of reasons. Um, One, because um, the idea of a 10% tithe is... um, a little odd, um, given that in the Old Testament there was more than one tithe, and it gets really complicated, and when you start doing the math on it, it can actually add up to like 30%. So if you want to build your tithe off the idea of the Old Testament tithe, then go for it, um, and it's 30. Um, But in the New Testament, um, we're called to obedience, and we're called to generosity, um, and that's what you're called to. Um, Your giving is between you and God. Your giving is based on what God has called you to do and, and what, is, um, what you are able to do, what is wise for you to do. Um, and you know what? For some people, it might be upwards to 50%. Um, I know a guy who that's his eventual goal, is to give 50% of his pay to missions. Um, last I checked, I think he was in like the mid-40s. He's a really neat guy. Um, and so, yeah, generosity is the defining quality of... Um, our obedience and giving. Um, He says, not only are their needs met, but in meeting the needs, um, thanksgiving is produced. Um, This wouldn't have happened if their obedience hadn't led to generosity to give. And on top of that, um, those who received the generous gift um, then pray for those who gave, and they long to meet them. And I can tell you from experience, um, the sailors that um, that I've ministered to, um, you know, I know that they, they pray for me and they pray for, the, for y'all, the people that support me. Um, I know that the ones that, um, you know, have eaten at um, that guy's house, um, they always ask about where did the food come from. They want to know. Um, and, and it leads to worship. Um, to give to the kingdom is to multiply worship. Um, it says that um, the one that that supplies bread and food will supply and multiply your seed Um, God works miraculously when we give he said thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift when was the last time that you thought about giving as a gift itself the opportunity that God gives us to give It is a gift to give. So how do you view your giving? Is it an obligation 
or is it something that brings you joy, knowing that you're participating in the gospel going forth? All God's people are part of the Great Commission, and the question is, is what is your role, and how are you being faithful to it? Not everyone's called to, you know, go and be a missionary in a foreign place, um, but everybody is called to be a part of what's going on across the world, and giving is a way that you can do that. If you're able to go, amazing, and it is amazing. Um, getting to sleep in the orphanage in India was a, an amazing experience. Um, getting to see a church dedication um, was probably one of the um, one of the highlights of that trip. Um, and so, yeah, um, missionaries can't stay in the field without you, and local ministries can't stay open without you either. Um, I think of Matt Culbertson. Um, many of you probably already know this story, but a couple of weeks ago he posted on Facebook um, about a Muslim uh, man that he was ministering to that came to faith um, because of a book that he read that was in the library um, in the jail there. Um, whenever Matt shared this story, he was just telling people that, hey, this is something amazing that happened. He wasn't even really asking for anything, but in the comments, people started saying, what book was it, and how can I give you more of it? And then Matt had to then, a couple hours later, make another post that said, hey, I have plenty of books. If you're planning to send me some, please don't. Um, and I thought that was such an amazing story. Um, the church saw what was happening and saw the impact that a simple book could make, and they thought, well, I could buy a book. And so they bought one and sent it. And that's what I think Paul is talking about here. There's, there's a need, and so he lets the need um, be made known to this church, and the church is like, yes, we'll meet that need. And then he tells them, I promise you, when they receive this gift, they are going to be thankful, and they are going to worship, and then they are going to pray for you and, and you know, want to know about you. Um, and it's, it's just this amazing cycle. And... Uh, I guarantee you that the man that bought that book um, may not know about that story, but when he gets to heaven, that man's salvation is going to be credited to him. Um, who knows why he bought that book in the first place? Who knows how the book got there? Um, that's unimportant. But either way, um, it's exciting. Every dollar you give to a missionary or a local ministry will go further than any money spent anywhere else when it comes to furthering the kingdom of God. If you're passionate about something, find a ministry that needs help, that needs money. Um, if you're passionate about um, helping um, end abortion, I guarantee you that giving money to the Pregnancy Help Center will do more than any vote you could ever cast. They're doing the hard work of meeting with people, um, equipping them, um, if you're passionate um, about um, the homeless, there's God Tell out there. Um, they um, provide housing and meals. They do amazing work. Um, that Christian um, Men's Job uh, Corps, did I say that right? Is that what Okay. Um, I'd never heard about that, but that was awesome. Um, I mean, I, um, yeah, that was a moving video. Um, there's lots of people out in the lobby that are doing amazing kingdom work. Um, as you go through and you are looking at them and you are talking with them, take information. Um, if you're not sure if you can give, be praying. 
um, lift them up. Um, they're in the lobby because um, our elders and our deacons know who they are. Um, they are safe places to invest. Um, yeah. We handle our money wisely so that we can increase our giving, not our lifestyle. So give what God is calling you to give. If you don't know what that is, then pray and try and see what God is asking of you. If you currently give, ask yourself if there's more that you could be doing. Maybe for some of you, you're not sure how much you can give because you don't really have a budget. Make a budget. Um, it's, it's not super hard. Um, the hard part is actually sticking to it, not making it. Um, but if you are unsure of how to even do that, if nobody's really shown you how to do that, um, I talked with uh, Brad Bustler. He said he would be more than happy to help anybody that needs help with it. Um, so go and talk with everyone in the lobby. Um, sign up for their newsletters. Find out what they're doing. Listen to them. Like I said, pray for them. And on behalf of all of them, I want to say thank you. As Paul feels about this, these Corinthians, the way he brags about them, the way he loves them, I can tell you, y'all are a generous church. I've interacted with churches. My job is to coach people as they interact with churches. I've heard of some weird experiences that people have had as they've um, tried to partner with them. And I can tell you that... Um, Carpenter's Way wants to give, has a heart to give. Um, I, I've, I've heard Mark talk about it, that when extra money comes about, more often than not, one of their first priorities is how can we put more into missions? Um, and I've, I've seen them redirect those funds, and it's amazing. Um, and, uh, and the way that they focus both on local and on foreign, um, it's all important. It's all part of God's kingdom work. And so, yeah, on behalf of all the missionaries out there, I do want to thank each and every one of you, the ones that are in this room, the ones that are watching online. Um, we couldn't do near what we do if it wasn't for y'all. Um, so thank you and keep it up. Thank you, Josh. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of our people that are frustrated with the election and are frustrated with where America is and is heading. Politics is not going to solve the heart problem of this country and this world. Jesus Christ is. If you want to do something besides railing on Facebook, give to missions. That's what we do. We share Christ with people, and his Holy Spirit moves in and transforms. And as I sit 10 feet from Josh, this was a very emotional one for him. It's not easy to talk about giving, but then also that's, that's what he does. He trains. And, and look, I want to be clear. The money uh, that you are supporting all of these missionaries already, whether you know it or not, if you give a dollar, you support them. Um, we want to do a lot more, tons more, millions of dollars. All you got to do is give it. 
I promise you, we have uh, we we are um, we are a mission outpost of the Jerusalem Church that started 2,000 years ago, and so you're missionaries, and we're pouring into you each week as we teach the scriptures, so that you can go out and be missional in the community. And some of you volunteer in ministries, but you're all involved in missions, your family, your neighbors, your employer. It's all ministry. But there are some people, and I, I talked with the, the, the pastor of the Salvation Army this morning, and I talked with Love, Inc., and I, you know, the truth is that they do it better than we could do it. I, and that's not a slam on Carpenter's way, but sometimes churches get arrogant, and I'm going to use that term, and decide, hey, we'll just do it ourselves, and we'll put our name on it. The truth is what the Salvation Army does with people, what, what Seasons of Hope does for ladies we could try to duplicate that, but why in the world would we ever do that? It allows us to connect with our brothers and sisters at Clawson Assembly that started that ministry, or Mosaic that was started out of Harmony Hill, or, uh, or Men's Job Corps that, our, uh, that Robert was involved in starting and Denman's involved in. You realize that if we all work together, we can do more for the kingdom faster and less expensive. That means we can spread it out. Money's like manure. It needs to be spread out so young things can grow. And, and I know, I know that we want bigger screen TVs. I know we want bigger houses. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself. There was a line in there, and I almost asked you what it was. It was like five minutes before you ended. We, we give so that, and I, I don't remember it. It was really good, though, Josh. I should quote you. Josh said something really good Sunday. Listen to the message. But the truth is, Carpenter's Way's mission. And with that, I'm going to dismiss our missionaries to go to their tables. We will join you in five minutes. While they're leaving, I'm going to ask Adam and Amber to come up uh, to the stage and all of our pastoral staff and all of our elders, if you would join me up front, please. Uh, Adam began this week and we're going to lay hands on them. And I want to put this in context of what a wonderful morning for us to, uh, to lay hands on them and commit them to the work of the kingdom. You can come on up here. Don't be shy. Um, Amber's actually going to sing this morning for you. And do we not have any pastors in this church, Chad? Chad, would you come up and not leave me alone? If you're an elder, if you come on up. Um, but a couple things. Carpenter's Way. Why do we hire a student pastor? Why do we have that? So we can disciple teenagers. And for... 200 years, if you ask Jeff, he, is, he and Mark, in a part-time, have been discipling our kids through our staff. And we felt, now get this, this is how money works. After we paid off our building, after we re renovated over here, we're debt-free. So now, I told you when we started about that, that once we used the money for that, we were going to pour into ministry even more. And it was about that time, we want somebody full-time obsessing over students high school and middle school. The government, who knows if they're going to pass it or not, but this Equality Act, it's nuts. And just screaming on Facebook how nuts it is ain't going to change a thing. You know what is going to change it? Introducing people to the creator that made them male or female. That's what's going to transform people. Well, it takes too long, and we're going to let, you're going to let them do it. I can't stop them. It didn't work in gay marriage. I'm not going to spend one more minute trying to get the world to stop acting like the world. What I am going to do is introduce people to Jesus Christ, who transforms us from the inside out. And we're building a team of missionaries, and this is only a small part of the missionaries you support. 
And we try to keep the information in front of you. But missionaries and staff that are discipling disciplers, pouring into your life so you can pour into others' lives. That's what we do. We are a mission outpost for the Jerusalem church that began 2,000 years ago and will end in the kingdom of heaven. That's what will change America. Twelve, Twelve people changed the world through the message of the gospel. Imagine what we can do together. And we are very excited to have Adam and especially Amber, who is now going to sing Ava Maria. <laughs> I have, you know, you were so funny in the question and answer. I know you're quick. You're quicker than he is. So we're going to use that. We're going to use that. He's getting a little earpiece and she's whispering, make this joke. But we are so honored to have you. For those of you who haven't gotten to meet them, what I so love personally about them and what, what, what sold me to recommend them uh, after Jeff and Mark had done all the hard work was that while many times in modern Western ministry, it's somebody who can program first and then build relationships after, they're almost the opposite. They are the opposite. They want to build relationships and then build a programming that continues to build relationships. And that is biblical discipleship. That's biblical discipleship. So while you're going to go out there and you're going to meet mission, uh, missionaries, I want you to understand, I'm a missionary. I, I'm from San Diego, California. I wouldn't be here if God hadn't called me. I was up in Ohio. It was really cold. But I'm glad to be here. Jeff and Alicia, they're from another part of Texas. They're missionaries. Our job is to disciple you so you can disciple others and stay on mission. And now uh, Amber and her husband, they're here as missionaries. When we talked, when we talked to what's-his-face, I kept saying... Hey, you who is named after that first guy in Genesis 2, you are, uh, you know, you're a missionary. We understand that. And our job as a staff is to work together and, and help you disciple young men and women in this church and reach those outside and our youth so that they can reach the lost. And that's what, that's what they're here to do. And we as a church last week, uh, we brought them, or a couple weeks ago, we brought them in and now we want to lay hands on them and pray for them. And so if we can surround them without hurting them and uh, I'm going to ask Robert, who is our pastor of missions, to pray for them because they too are missionaries that are directly supported by you. And uh, so let's pray together. Father, first I just want to thank you for the opportunity to pray for uh, Adam and Amber. Lord, we praise you for adding them to our family. We praise you for growing our family. We look forward to see what you're going to do through both of them as they minister to the students here. Father, we thank you for their, their hearts. Uh, Lord, I pray that you be with them as they go through their move down here. And I pray that as we go forward that you would just bless them, that you would give them such wisdom, such discernment, such guidance, Father, that it would be a blessing to this church. Father, I know they're going to be a blessing to this church. So we praise you for all that you do, for all that you're going to do through them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do now. Um, we're going to dismiss, and those of you watching online, pay special attention. We are going to dismiss, and in about five minutes on Facebook Live, Robert and Jared are going to uh, be walking around to each table like two minutes at each table so you can meet uh, and, and participate in our missions conference. For those of you uh, here in the room, you can go enjoy that group out there. I do want to remind you that uh, Amber and her husband, uh, Robert said his name, but uh, they are going to be here at Carpenter's Way as long as we can afford to pay them. 
And Jeff and Alicia are going to be here as long as we can afford to pay them. And we're going to be here serving you as long. And that is connected to money. That's, that's giving. And I thank you for your faithfulness for 26, 7 years. A long time Carpenter's Way has been here. You have been faithful. And like Josh said, it's not guilt. It's just fact. We don't have big-pocketed people who, who just give. It's us. We do it together. I give. Jeff gives. Adam will give. We all do this together for the kingdom. So we love you. God bless you. Thank you for your investment in the kingdom work. Uh, those of you online, in about five minutes, if you'll go over to Facebook, Carpenter's Ways page, you can uh, meet our missionaries. Have a wonderful Sunday, everybody.